I just remember thinking, is this the dream? Is my passion in life IT project management? And the answer I came back with was maybe not. And I remember I always yearned for more. And one of the things that I did is I wasn't sure what to do. And you know, even for those listening that are trying to think, well, what's my passion? Or I want to get out of my job and start you know, something that I'm really excited about. I always say, you know, you don't have to know everything. And this is, this is agile right here, right? You don't have to know everything. You just got to be willing to take a step. And even if you're, that step isn't to the end zone, it's a step forward. And then take another step and pivot if you need to. Welcome to the Passion Struck Podcast. My name is John Miles, a former combat veteran and multi-industry CEO turned entrepreneur and human performance expert. Each week we showcase an inspirational person and message that helps you unlock your hidden potential and unleash your creativity and leadership abilities. Thank you for spending time with me today and let's get igniting. Welcome to the Passion Struck Podcast. I am so excited to have Maria Mattarelli in the house for the show. Maria is just an awesome guest and brings so much passion about what she is doing. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Maria is an international business consultant, an experienced agile coach, and a certified scrum trainer who consults and trains companies on reaching true agility. She travels to consult to Fortune 100 companies and speaks at industry conferences with locations from Shanghai to Singapore and Thailand and Nova Scotia, while looking for ways to continue to expand Agile outside IT. Maria and her team have been applying Agile to the marketing realm with incredible results, which led Maria co-founding the Agile Marketing Academy. She then also co-founded the Personal Agility Institute helping people use Agile to do more of what matters in their lives and shift the culture of organizations. Maria is also the founder and president of Formula Inc., an international consulting company, and is passionate about working with people and organizations to increase speed to market, increase efficiency, and get greater results in business. You are in for such a treat with this episode, and Maria goes through her story of, of how she started out at, at 15 on her journey, you know, what became that crisis that caused her to give up what she calls her J-O-B in the corporate world and to jump on her entrepreneurial journey of becoming an agile coach. And then how she has applied agile, which was originally designed for, for the corporate workplace into marketing, into personal agility and into other aspects of her life, like being a DJ and doing other things. There's so many great tidbits of information here to unpack. I can't wait for you to hear this interview. Jim Highsmith, one of the original signers of the Agile Manifesto, said, agility is the ability to adapt and respond to change. Agile organizations view change as an opportunity, not a threat. And Esther Derby said, when we are blind to systematic causes of problems, all the solutions we try will likely make matters worse. I use those two quotes as a backdrop because today I am absolutely thrilled to have Maria Mattarelli on the show, a true passion-struck leader. Welcome to the show, Maria. Hey, thanks, John. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm ecstatic to have you. 
so you you and I first met a few years ago, and I remember I was just really taken aback by your ingenuity and the variety of businesses you had started at that time. And so when it came to putting on this podcast, you were actually one of the first people that came to mind I wanted to have on the show. So the purpose of our show is to help growth-minded individuals understand how to unlock their hidden potential and ignite and prioritize their passion journeys. Can you take me back to the start of your journey and discuss your situation back then and how you found yourself you know, at, at this time, it might have been, you know, in the insurance industry before you had made the leap. Yeah, John, I appreciate this question. It's always fun to go back down that trail of memory lane. I remember, you know, I remember working in an office and I remember thinking, is this my life? Is this cubicle my future? Like, is this all that there is? And you know, to back up a little bit, I started working when I was 15 and I worked three jobs to pay my way through college. And if I didn't do that, I wasn't going to go. And so when I got into the corporate workforce, I already had years of experience from that. So you're talking about insurance. I was working at State Farm Insurance Corporate Headquarters, Systems yes. Technology Department, and running uh, IT projects, project management, managing $5 million projects a year, early 20s. And I remember just thinking, man, I'm done with my work halfway through the week because I felt like I, I really took to project management. It's very clear cut. It's efficient. It's like plan out the work and then do the plan, right? And like, make sure you're on track. And I just always loved that type of type of work. But I realized like I was done with my job, like halfway through the week. And then I'd have to sit there on site and I'd have to like clock the hours. So I'm like, okay, well, what else? And so then they load me up with projects. Now I've got seven projects and I'm like, barely can get through the day meeting, the meeting, the meeting. It's like, okay, this is interesting. And I just remember thinking, is there more to life than this? And I remember I put up a little, a little post, uh, printed a little text on a sheet of paper and I put it up on my, the wall of my cubicle and it said, living the dream or like just another day in paradise, like these motivational things, right? <laughs> and I just remember thinking, is this the dream? Is, is my passion in life IT project management? And the answer I came back with was maybe not. And I remember I always yearned for more. And one of the things that I did is I wasn't sure what to do. And you know, even for those listening that are trying to think, well, what's my passion? Or I want to get out of my job and start you know, something that I'm really excited about. I always say, you know, you don't have to know everything. And this is, this is agile right here, right? You don't have to know everything. You just got to be willing to take a step. And even if you're, that step isn't to the end zone, it's a step forward. And then take another step and pivot if you need to. And so I actually started by speaking at conferences. And that's how I got out into the market to where people started to know who I was. I started doing agile project management. And what was interesting is a lot of the people I worked with, they didn't want to change. So they just wanted to manage all their projects in the traditional method they'd always done. They didn't want to do anything different. They didn't want to learn a new methodology. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to become an expert in this thing that nobody else seems to want to learn. And I took that upon myself. And what really was that first step out into that entrepreneurship type of realm was when I started speaking at these conferences. And that started to get me out in the industry. I just thought, I think in order to get ahead, you have to do something more than just the bare minimum. You can't just do your job, right? And then from there, I branched off into launching a company, launching multiple companies, and the rest is sort of history from there. Okay. Well, you bring me back a, a number of years, and I, I remember on my own journey, I, I was working at Lowe's at the time, and I was in charge of, of all software development. 
and we were using waterfall uh, methodology at the time. And it, it was like the, the business sponsor would try to put everything in the kitchen sink in the requirements. And I remember, you know, we'd have these documents that were this thick and these projects were supposed to take, let's say a year to 18 months. And every single time they would go over. And I remember talking to one of my good friends, Scott Butterfield, he was the SVP of strategy at the time. And he goes, you know, John, we are absolutely phenomenal at creating projects that are absolutely obsolete by the time they're delivered. And I will never forget it because, you know, after that, um, um, I I had brought ITEL into the organization when I was in operations and security. And then I got introduced to Agile. And I can't tell you how much um, fighting I had with some of the peers in the business over wanting to introduce it. So I kind of understand where you're coming from and, you know, some of those frustrations. So... You know, when, when you were, were at this pivot point that you described, what was the single event, if you think back then, that, that made you finally take action? Hmm. Such a good question. So, yeah, you think, oh, I want to do something more, but you're, you're like, what is actually the point that makes you take that step, right, that pushes you forward to doing it? I remember when I graduated college, I worked, as, um, worked in an internship, worked as a college undergrad. Um, worked at another very large Fortune 100 company out of college. And when I went over to work in the, the company that I ended up going with, State Farm, I remember that I had another job offer on the table. And it was actually for $10,000 more, which when you're first coming out of college, that's a lot of money, right? And so I was like, oh, wow, cool. But for a variety of reasons, I wanted to go with the second option and get more into the project management. And so as I did, I remember they told me, they were like, well, here's what this job pays. And it was $10,000 less. And they said, well, Maria, if you do a really good job, a really good job, if you're really hard, we can see if we can get you up to that, right? But you just have to really show us that you can produce that value. So my first projects were the enterprise server release, Windows Unix server upgrades. And basically it was a $3 million portfolio. And once a year we did two releases and we went from two releases to three, streamlined the projects. And we're able to offshore the work to other people overseas and free up our onsite people for more strategic work, which was a passive residual cost savings of $1.5 million. I was 22 years old managing those projects. So I'm saving the company $1.5 million a year. And what happened is when I went in for my performance review a year later, and I had a, I had a stack of documents of all kinds of accolades and people saying thank you and oh, what a great job I did because I thought, oh, I'm supposed to make this case, right? That's what they told me. And they changed the game. They changed the rules on me. And they were like, oh, Maria, we put, just put a new policy in place. You can only get maximum 5%, but great news. You qualified for the 5%. John, I did the math. It would take me 10 years at 5% increase every year to get down to the job I turned down the year before. And that's when I realized the system was broken and it wasn't going to work for me. And so I was furious. I felt betrayed. I felt lied to. I was, right? And so I go back to my desk and I was just like, how do I make sure this isn't going to happen to me again? I cannot trust the system. It's not working. And what I did is I worked even harder the next year. And I did even better on my projects, you know, right? We try to manage them within timeline and budget and, you know, to have a successful launch on whatever project it is. And I went out in the industry and I interviewed. Because here's the other thing. I discovered all the people around me they were making like double my salary. And I'm like, how are they making like 
this, I mean, some people just even 30, 40, $50,000 more than me. And I'm like, what are they even doing? They're managing two projects in maintenance mode, like, like service work. Like they're literally attending a status meeting once a week and updating it. And I'm planning out these like hundreds of line items with 120 people on my team, intricately like predecessor, successor, like all of this stuff. And I'm like, how am I managing seven projects, saving the company millions of dollars a year and then getting 5%. That's, that doesn't work for me. And so what I did is I worked very diligently and I started saying, well, what would my value be in the actual industry outside of these walls? And so I interviewed with multiple companies. I actually had three job offers lined up on the table the following year. So when I walked into my performance review, they're like, oh, congratulations, Ray. You did an excellent job. You get your 5% raise, you know, pat on the back, pat on the head. And I was like, oh yeah, about that. I was like, that's not going to work for me because I know what my skill levels in the industry. And just because they hired me in here, like they wanted to inch me up from there, but I'm like, but my skill level is actually here, right? Like it's way greater than what you're thinking. And so I said to them, I was like, I would like for you to match these offers. And it was about double my salary. They're like, Maria, there's no way we can jump you up that much. That's just not how this works. I'm like, okay, cool. Let me know if you want me to put in my two weeks notice, or if you want to escort me off the client site today. And I walked out of the room, went back to my desk. Within 10 minutes, they called me to come back to the conference room. And they said, so we kind of need you to train all of our new people. And um, we really don't want to tell, because as through an external vendor, we don't want to tell external staffing that you're not renewing because they think that you are. And so I was like, okay, well, you're going to have to match this. And they said, well, we can't get you that in a salary, but we can give you this base plus two large bonuses spread throughout the year. And if we do that with you training the new people, we can get you very close. I said, thank you. I'd like to take 48 hours to think about it. Like, no, we need an answer today. I was like, yeah, but I'm pretty sure everyone else gets 48 hours. And so I'm, I'm going to let you know Monday. And I walked out and I ended up renewing. Why? Because I just planned out all my projects and they were all in maintenance mode. I already did most of the work. And I thought, you know what? I'm comfortable here, but like, let me see what else I can do to grow. And they were able to meet pretty much my, my requests. And John, it, like where this came from was it came from a place, and I think this is something for all entrepreneurs and people that finally take that leap for their passion. This was just like a baby step of seeing what I could do to push against the system, right? This is before I went out on my own, but it was a turning point because I was like, wait a minute, I can change the rules of the game. I can take more risk. And without the risk, you don't get the reward. And so it comes from not having anything to lose. So what I did is I stacked the deck so I wasn't afraid. If they said, okay, great, you're done here. Great, let me pack up my desk. Okay, I I literally had the offers on the table. So like similarly, so I stayed there a couple more years, trained up all the new people, became the go-to agilist, like the person who was like the agile expert, led lunch and learns, did coaching with other teams. And, you know, at one point I was, I realized, you know, I do want more. It still wasn't like enough of what I felt I was capable of. And so I started off by speaking at conferences and getting out in the industry to build my name, build my brand before actually venturing out to start my own business. And that was a pretty good runway. That's great. Well, that's an amazing story. So how did, how did it feel that day you took your first step? Were you so, excited? You yeah. Were you excited, skeptical, reluctant, afraid? How, how did you feel? Ah, so what happened was this is actually, it's, it's not even that straightforward. Um, I was hungry. I was hungry for opportunity. And so I actually was talking with an organization and they were a global organization and I had the opportunity to do some consulting with them. And so I went and um, like talked to them, but I didn't know how to pitch it. So I went to a friend of mine who had a consulting company and I was like, hey, can you help me with this? And so he helped me put it together. And we put the proposal, we went through his company and I ended up actually working two jobs for almost a year. I was a project manager 
full time and a scrum master for you know half the projects. And then I was literally in the morning checking email over lunch, checking email, and then working from 5 p.m. to like midnight every night for about half a year to almost a year. And so I was actually stacking additional work on top of it. So when I was working with this consulting company, I was starting to get the experience. I actually didn't jump out on my own because I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to write a proposal. I didn't know. And what I realized, John, is that I had been working in a J-O-B so long that I had lost original thought. Like my ability to have original thought was gone. I was so used to people telling me exactly what to do. Follow the, uh, you know, solution development methodology and you go through the phase gate approach and this, that, the other, you know, using the Scrum framework. And so it actually took a couple of years to like get my mind honed into thinking like an entrepreneur. So I ended up quitting my day job as a project manager and scrum master because um, I ran out of vacation time and I had an opportunity to go to an event in California and I'd never been there and I kind of wanted to do that. So I put in two weeks. And so I actually spent the next several years working with this other boutique consultancy. Now, the challenge was that, you know, I was working for someone else still. So I was being told, hey, maximize your time with the client site. I sold a quarter million dollar contract to a client in Chicago and I was doing all the work and I was making just a fraction of the actual billable hours. And so that's where I started ramping up speaking at conferences. And I was like, well, let me get, let me get myself out there in the industry more. And as I did that, I had less billable hours, right? So the, the person I was working with was like, no, Maria, you need to bill all the hours. I'm like, well, you're not on site with the client. Why am I bringing in all the money? And so we ended up having a difference in sort of vision. And I wanted to do more inspirational stuff and work with entrepreneurs. And I wanted to, you know, do something more thought leadership. And he's like, no, go on site and just make money and just coach and consult. And so I ended up stepping out on my own. And John, when I did that, it was one of those things where it was not a smooth transition. I went negative in my bank account three times over the next year trying to figure out how to get my business started. And it was not easy. And it took me over a year to figure out how to even do it. Yeah. So what, you know, as I have been interviewing people and and doing more and more research, it, it seems like more and more people are getting stuck in what I call the contagions of the human mind and the contagions of the human spirit. They're, they're like, they're stuck in their comfort zone and they're stuck in the zone of whether you call it apathy or indifference and they can't break through. You know, and what you're saying isn't unusual for, for an entrepreneur. It's, it's actually very usual to, to go through hardships before you, you break through. You know, what got you through those hard times? And, you know, what, you know, because I'm sure I feel it myself as you're doing it, you've got fears, you've got doubts. You know, what, what tricks did you use to, to help you get over that? Ah, oh, such a good question. Um, I like blindly fumbled forward is the best <laughs> way I can describe it. I did learn from the first boutique consultancy I worked with, but when I went out on my own, I, I really, I didn't know what I was doing. I fumbled forward. Like if you fail and fall forward, at least you're making some kind of progress, right? At least you see what doesn't work. So I was like, Wanted to do, okay, let me do training, right? Project management training, agile training, but I didn't really niche down. So I'm like, oh yeah, I can help businesses, consult entrepreneurs, but it wasn't like, it was like kind of too broad, right? And so what I realized is that I needed to niche down and get something very specific. So I was like, okay, let me go into project management consulting, specifically agile project management, specifically the scrum framework, specifically a certification around that. And so like, that's actually a niche. And you know what they say, the niches are, the riches are in the niches. So, you know, when you niche down, that's where you get the, the results, the profitability, because you can really connect with that ideal customer, right? 
I mean, basic marketing. And so when I got very specific on who I was trying to serve and exactly what value now in order to do that, it actually took me four years to get certified to teach these certification classes. So it wow. was definitely a journey. It was the feedback I got. Like I, I failed the, the tech review the first time I went through it. And I questioned, it was such harsh feedback I got. I questioned if I should ever speak in public again. True story. It was harsh. Like they're like, ah, you're not ready. This and that. Do you even know this stuff? And I was just insulting. And I just remember thinking, okay, so I failed. And now what? But I really thought like that was a niche I was really good at. I mean, my most effective agile project was uh, we're doing a website migration project and there was a vendor we were working with. There were 50 other identical organizations to the one I was working with that had already used the same vendor. And we ended up using an agile approach. We got to market more than 80% faster than 50 other organizations identical to ours. And the variable of the vendor was the same. And so that's literally just the difference between traditional project management and using agile. And I knew I could get results. So I knew I was good at it, right? How do you streamline a $3 million project to 1.5 million annual cost savings as in in your early twenties, you understand how it works. Right. And so when I got denied for the certification, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And there was a couple of friends of mine, a couple other trainers in the industry that are like, Maria, don't you give up. And they listened to me. They listened to me complain and talk about how unjust the world was. Right. And I just appreciate them so much for being supportive and just saying, Hey, just keep going. You can do this. Right. So I think having a little bit of a support system can help. Uh, But really, I mean, it was one of those things where I was like, I think I need to niche down. Here's a niche that I think will be lucrative. And in order to get certified, I had to fly around the U.S. and co-train with existing certified trainers. It was probably minimum $20,000 or more of cost just out of pocket to go and do that. Like it was not easy, but I really had done my research. I had the expertise and experience and I knew I just needed to prove it. I needed to show it. And the second time... (laughs) funny story, John. It's like, it's like one of those things where you're in like a, a, a car, right? And it's like, you're almost out of gas and you see like the little levers like below the E and you're like, how long before below the E do I have? Right. And I was so out of money by this time that I was up for the second review for this group. Cause they made me wait almost a year to go in front of the panel review again. I could not even afford to buy the flight. I couldn't even afford to stay in a hotel. I had a friend of mine actually bought me the flight to fly to New Orleans to actually go in front of the panel review again to try to get certified. I couldn't even afford the hotel. So I actually, I didn't even, I, I flew out, I had a flight at like six, uh, six or 8 a.m. So I stayed up all night. I ended up passing out in like one of the couches in the lobby of the hotel because I couldn't even afford a room. And that's how bad it was. When I got approved, the certification licensing fee was $5,000. I couldn't even afford that. And I had jobs lined up that I couldn't even accept because I had literally gone to the end. I believed so much in what I was doing. It's like I burned the bridge behind me. It was like, this is either going to work or it's not. And it's that persistence that I think really gets you there. And it's believing in what you do. And it's, it's getting feedback. It's pivoting. It's finding support, right? And it's not giving up. It's that resilience that you have to have. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely think that uh, resilience or grit is a is a huge part of it, and I I really appreciate your you telling your story. I, you know, when I work with with my clients, I I kind of take them through a, a a five phase process, and 
you know, the first thing I, I try to do is I, I try to help them analyze, you know, what, what are those things that are blocking you from, from this vision of your life that you want to have? And then as you were talking about, you know, it's, it's once you analyze, it's then what's this vision of the future that you want to have? You know, what do you want to have a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? But you brought up in a very important thing. Once you have that, you've got to commit to it. I mean, you've got to ignite that passion journey and then, and then commit to it and then execute on it. And then I find you have to keep renewing it because, you know, once you get once you execute on it, things change and you have to go back through the, the whole process and do it again. So is, as you've been yourself, you know, now in, in business um, a number of years since then, do you find you have to keep analyzing what you're doing and making sure you know, you're staying on top of the market, et cetera. Get ready to supercharge your hiring experience with Indeed, our fantastic partner. We at PassionStruck are all about seeking smarter, more efficient ways to do things. And Indeed perfectly aligns with this philosophy when it comes to hiring. It's more than just a job site. It's a comprehensive platform that revolutionizes the way you find the perfect candidates. With its powerful matching engine and over 350 million global monthly visitors, Indeed streamlines the hiring process, bringing top talent straight to you. No more sifting through endless unqualified resumes. Indeed does the heavy lifting just for you. And what I love about Indeed is its ability to centralize all your hiring activities. From scheduling interviews and screening applicants to messaging candidates, it's all in one place. During my career, I've hired thousands of employees, and I only wish I had Indeed's efficiency and speed back then. And here's a fact that absolutely blows my mind. 93% of employers, according to a recent survey, say Indeed delivers the best quality matches over other job sites. That's quality and speed hand in hand. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit. To get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash PassionStruck, just go to Indeed.com slash PassionStruck right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash PassionStruck. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know all those discount codes are difficult to remember, so we put them all at PassionStruck.com slash deals. Now, back to PassionStruck. Yeah, you know, over the years, um, it's looking, it's having clarity on where you want to go, right? It's being willing to put in the work. And one of my goals was to be a global consultancy. And so I was like, I would like to be someone that consults companies of all sizes and global, like around the world. And so you have to, again, take risk. Every time you step forward, there's risk to be taken, but it's also, there's a reward on the other side if you do it right, right? So like, can you do calculated risks? So for me, interestingly enough, when I was in Chicago, I, my consulting contract came to a close and I didn't renew it. I left the other consultancy and that's when I had like a year to try to figure it out. And I took me like a very stumbly year. Right. And in that time, I remember my apartment in Chicago was up for renewal for the lease and they're trying to jack up my rent and I'm living downtown Michigan Avenue, top floor overlooking the Lake Michigan. Oh, I know city. it well. Woo, beautiful. Right. Also expensive. So I was there and I remember thinking, you know, for me to do what I want to do, I had the clarity of vision of what I wanted, but I just realized I had too many constraints. So instead of renewing my lease, I actually just let it expire. I started selling my things. I got one storage unit and I started traveling. 
I started traveling on one-way tickets. And so as I was traveling, I'd like go speak in a conference here or over there. It, what I found was it opened up a world of opportunity because I took away needing to be in Chicago, having to pay thousands of dollars every month for rent. Like I took more risk as well. So um, I ended up to Shanghai, Singapore, Thailand, India, throughout the U.S., just one-way tickets. And I actually did that for five years. Now, that's a little extreme, and I don't necessarily recommend that. But what it did was it allowed me to create these global connections, a global network. And so I was speaking at all these conferences. Then I started leading training classes, had partners in other countries. And then from there, um, it just kind of started to take off because I put in the legwork. I was making those connections, and I was delivering the value and then getting hired back. So, so I, I mean, that's that's a fascinating story. I I haven't myself had taken the risk to just travel someplace on a one way one way ticket. I I envy your uh, boldness for doing that. I I have been to many of the places you 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 have been, but under very different circumstances. So it it seems like you know you've had to use so much grit along the way, and you you possess what so many passion struck leaders I have found possess. And that is, you know, this innate ability inside to be willing to, to risk it all, to be willing to, you know, put it all on the table to pursue that, that thing that inspires, that makes you want to unleash your creative and leadership capabilities. So how do you know you had finally succeeded? What was that moment like? What was that moment? Uh, like, how did you know when you had succeeded on this mission? You know, was yeah. I think I think it was. I'm trying to think if there was one defining moment, and I'm not sure if there was. There, there might have been a series of them. So, okay. you know, I went to Johannesburg, South Africa, to lead a training class for Microsoft. Uh, led training for IBM in seven locations across multiple countries. Um, you know, speaking at a conference in Singapore, keynoting, and then leading a training class and flying to, to India and Portugal. And, you know, when you when you look at this type of stuff, I feel like there, there were definitely several moments where I'd be at a conference and speaking in front of thousands of people, and they would know who I was by being the speaker. And I'd, you know, walk off stage and all these people knew me, but I didn't know them. And I was like, oh, wow, like, that feels good. Like, that feels like I'm actually... I'm getting the credibility and recognition for all the hard work that I've done. So I'm trying to remember, I don't know if there's one specific moment, but I think it's probably a series of moments of being in those, those event, being at those events where I realized that I was inspiring people and, you know, people reaching out on LinkedIn or sending a follow-up email and just saying, Hey Maria, I, I appreciated your talk on agile marketing or personal agility. And wow, like, here's what I've done in my life. And it's actually given me a positive change. And to me, that makes all the difference. And one of the things I've been focusing on lately is creating case studies. So actually documenting the results that people get with Agile and the results are absolutely incredible. And so there, there's this, this feeling of, I feel validated in what my contribution is to the world and validated in that people see that. They see that value and they see and recognize that you know I have this intrinsic desire that's insatiable to create this, this positive impact and it's starting to happen and it's recognizing that. So I think it's like the, the indicators are other people, feedback from other people that, wow, this was inspiring or because you did that, now I'm doing this. They're like, okay, cool, that was worth it. Well, that's awesome. And in, you know, in, in what you were describing, you, 
you kind of parlayed, you know, agile for business into agile for the individual. And that's something I'm, I'm really fascinated about because I think, you know, in, in, in what I do, prioritization, I think, is, sits at the key to success or failure. You know, oftentimes we have all these great ideas, but there's so much going on that we don't prioritize them much. And when I think of Agile, that's something that, uh, you know, I always thought it made you do is prioritize the most important thing. So can you kind of lead us through, you know, what, what was this transition to taking Agile to the individual, you know, and, and how does that manifest itself? Yeah, so it's probably about five years ago. I actually started with just exploring Agile outside of IT. Could you apply Agile in other arenas? So we started with applying it to marketing and looking at what are the results you can get of Agile outside of software development, because that's where a lot of people are familiar with it, right? Works really well for large, complex projects. But when you look at um, other applications, it also works really, really well. So the first thing was with looking at Agile applied to marketing, it's like, okay, cool. We can get way more return on the dollars spent in ads by using this same technique. Uh, first client we worked with, we got over 300% increased revenue in six months, over 780% increased revenue in a year. So it's like, okay, cool. Like that's new. That's, that's exciting. And so Nick Cementa and I, we co-founded the Agile Marketing Academy. And that's when I started traveling and teaching Agile marketing around the world, Europe, Asia, throughout the U.S. Uh, we led a class for McDonald's in Shanghai. We had, uh, their, it was at their office there. And then with Capital One in DC, we had people from Capital One that attended. And it's like, okay, so people are recognizing this. And so then it was a little bit after that, that I ran into another trainer from Switzerland named Peter Stevens. And he was talking about this concept of agile in your life. And I'm like, yeah, Peter, of course you can apply agile in your life. Of course it's going to get results. We all know that. And he's like, yeah, but look at, look at what I've been putting together. And he had this thing that he was calling personal agility. And as we were talking more I started to realize that it was actually something very powerful, effective, and meaningful. And the reason that Agile is so much more incredible in your life than just in getting business stuff done is because we ask the powerful question, what really matters? And invite people to take a holistic view of everything that's going on in their life and saying, do my actions of what I do every day, are they in alignment with what I say really matters? And can we map those back? And am I on track? And the, the answer is often we get so distracted by stuff. We're just being so reactive, running around busy all the time that we lose sight of that. And it's not just about rinse and repeat and do agile in your life to get more things done. Cause I've applied agile to achieve some ridiculous things and successfully, very successfully, but it's like, there's a lack of sometimes of what I think is most important and that's happiness and fulfillment. We're so busy chasing achievement and things and like statuses that we forget what really, really matters. And I think it's actually being happy and being fulfilled in the things that we do. Yeah. I mean, that's great. I, you know, I, I talk about uh, the need to make a personal contract with yourself and, you know, the next step is exactly what, what you're saying is you can make that contract. And, and, you know, when I, when I say you, you make it, it needs to have some formality to it. You know, I, I like to laminate it, put it up, but the hardest thing that people tend to have a problem with is adhering to it. So, you know, I think every single day you've got to, you know, I like to get up in the morning and think about, you know, my morning walk and my time of mindfulness, what are the key activities I'm doing today? And are they matching up and progressing against a goal on that, on that contract? And that's very difficult. And then at the end of the day, 
what's even more difficult is I, I go through a process of kind of evaluating what did I get done today and, you know, self-auditing myself, you know, did, did I allow myself to get distracted? Did I, did I achieve what I set out to? Because, because you're absolutely right. What happens is we get so distracted by every, all this stuff that's around us, we put urgency over what's important. And I think that's one of the key things that agile and personal agility can do for you. Absolutely. Did you know that Forbes magazine recently cited that over 70% of individuals who did personal development courses, masterminds, or one-on-one coaching benefited from improved work performance, relationships, and more effective communication skills? Here at PassionStruck, we are obsessed with self-development, coaching, and mentorship. That is why we've created a free resource to help you unlock your hidden potential. Because people doing great things in business and life are just like you. They have just gotten some coaching along the way, and we have got you covered so you can too. Let us show you the systems and frameworks that we teach growth-minded individuals to help them to unlock their purpose and live and build a passion-struck life that gets predictable results and gives you the freedom that you actually want. Go to passionstruck.com coaching right now to get started. So if you're, if you're a person and you're, you're wanting to apply this in your life, what do you think is the first step? Yeah, so the first step is really to take the time to pause and reflect and ask yourself what really matters and just take a moment to get clarity around that. And so what we recommend is you pick the top three to four things, a holistic view of everything. So this could be related to your job, career, your business. It could be related to health, family, relationships. It could be a a hobby or just some random thing you've always wanted to do. And so when you start to think about what really matters, the challenge we run into is that if everything matters, then nothing matters. If we're so busy doing all the things or if we're not even able to visualize what we're spending our time on, then chances are you're not necessarily going to to get to where you really want to be. You might get an inch of progress in multiple areas, but not a mile of progress in any one area. So what we say is like, start by looking at, if you're not sure what really matters, then look at what we call the breadcrumb trail. What are the things you did last week? What about the last month? And you, there's clues in like your, your phone and your, who did you talk to? What was on your calendar? What did you do? What did you mark done if you're, you're tracking your work? And are those things that you did, if you carbon copy last week forward to the next week and the week after that and the month, if you take last year and carbon copy that to this year, Would you be satisfied with that growth, that progress toward those goals? And most often people say, well, no, I I didn't make any kind of any way near the progress that I had hoped to. And so it's through what what Agile provides is it provides transparency and accountability. So being able to visualize what really matters and get clarity on that without the clarity, it's hard to actually take the steps to get there. And one of my favorite quotes by Lewis Carroll is, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there doesn't even matter what you do because you didn't have a plan. You didn't have a destination. Yeah. I think uh, one, one of the concepts I, I like to talk about is this idea of pinball uh, leadership. And I think we, we all, too many of us are leading pinball lives. And what I mean by that is if you're a pinball, there, there's no intentionality in a pinball machine. You know, you, you're kind of bouncing off and letting the game drive where you're going. And even when you try to give it direction, 
you know, you end up bouncing off of things and, you know, ha have as great a chance of going down the gutter as you do of achieving your goal. And I think so many of us today get caught up in this thing where we're not intentionally going after those things that matter, matter the most to us. Um, just like you're saying, and, uh, we practice too much of pinball leadership instead of intentional leadership. Um, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Well, I want to, I want to talk about, you know, you, you have done so many things touched, you know, literally thousands of people around the world. You know, what is your life and the lives of those around you like now compared to what it was before you began your journey? Ooh. You know, I think that before I began my journey into entrepreneurship, I was, I've always been like a high performing overachiever, like always wanting to do my best at things, uh, you know, dash of perfectionism and OCD. Right. And so when you look at, okay, what is it that I want in life? I was like a dreamer without a real destination. So I think back then, like let's rewind 10 years before I started my first business, I was like someone that was hopeful, but someone that was just like trying to figure out what direction do I take, right? So I mean, just, just a person that talks about good ideas. Like people talk about good ideas every day, but the difference is who acts on them. The people that act on those ideas that make it a reality. I mean, you can have a great conversation that's super insightful. The person who writes it down and publishes the article is the, the leader, right? Is the person that's looked to as someone that has expertise. And so now I think the biggest difference is instead of just being a dreamer, I firmly believe you can achieve anything that you want in this life, anything. And you just have to have clarity on what it is and start to identify the steps to get there and then take those steady steps. And so things like the personal agility system, it's a simple framework to do that. If you have a proven method, a proven system, uh, if you have someone that's done it before that you can just follow in their footsteps of what they've done, the trick success leaves a trail. And so the difference now is instead of just thinking, oh, I wish I had a better life. I'd love to live in the big city. I'd love to live in Chicago. I'd love to travel. Instead of just wishing and talking about it, I actually do it and I do it on a whim at times. And so it's like, I, one of the things that, that happens, a lot of the people around me, they're like, they all know Agile and they're all getting certified and like the things that I train, like my friends, my family, they're all like, you know, it's like an occupational hazard as a certification trainer. It's like a lot of the people around you start to learn the methodologies and the frameworks and stuff. And so it's like really kind of neat because now I'm surrounded by other people that are in more alignment. They understand the same methods and the ways of getting things done. The tagline for Scrum is twice the work and half the time. Who doesn't want that? That's why the Fortune 100 companies will pay so much for someone to train that. That's why there's only a couple hundred trainers in the world that are certified to teach that on to actually maintain the integrity of the quality of the, that training. And so like the biggest difference now is not only have I done this for myself, but I'm starting to do it for other people. So like all the people around me, it's, it's almost like my friend, Sharon, uh, she's become a good friend over the years. Um, she just says, Marie, everything you touch turns to gold. And so like when I'm talking to people, I'm like, Ooh, I see opportunity to opportunity here and there with Sharon. I showed her how to use personal agility. She went from working five jobs and barely getting by to clearing over six figures the first year in business with her dream job. Then she landed a six-figure client at the beginning of last year. So it's like, wow, okay, let's like twice the work in half the time, twice the results in half the time, right? And so like that's what Agile does. So instead of me just like talking and thinking and wishing, the difference now is that I take action, I do, and I create the results. There's empirical evidence you can see of, whoa, that's pretty cool. And if someone's willing to put in the work, willing to learn, they can do it too. 
Anybody can do this stuff. You just have to have the clarity on what you want and then have the consistency in the follow through. And it, it can be that easy. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's funny you bring that up. And that example of uh, Sharon is, is a great one. I, I recently, I, I just published an article in the Entrepreneur's Handbook called um, How to Avoid Becoming a Visionary Arsonist. And, you know, we, we all set out to do these, these, great, these great things. And, you, you know, I think if you're an entrepreneur or a growth-minded individual, you tend to, to be visionary as one of your core attributes. And being visionary has its definite advantages because you, you, you see this horizon before you, but it also gives you this constant itch at times that you want to change things. You want to do, you want to do, do more. You want to do, you know, this. And I think this whole concept of visionary arsonist is sometimes we can be our, our own worst enemy because we don't like stay in the box of that vision. And we, we tend to try to change it and alter it and, and do all these things instead of just focusing on getting, you know, one piece of that vision accomplished and then building upon it. And, you know, I think with what you're talking about, Sharon, is, is you kind of gave her the self-belief that she could, you know, achieve that vision and then build upon it. And then over time, you know, she went from, you know, where she was working the five jobs to, you know, now living this, this dream, you know, creation of, of her being her own entrepreneur. And, you know, I think that's a great, uh, a great story. So uh, since I've gotten to know you better, Agile isn't your only passion. And I, I remember, um, you know, we live in the same town. So I, I happened to be walking around the block one night and it took me, I guess it, I at first didn't even think it was you because you see someone and then you see him in a different realm. But uh, I saw you DJing in front of a, you know, a large crowd and you were awesome at it. And then I did some research and found you know, you're a globally renowned DJ as well. So how, how in the heck did you, did you get into that? And how do you find time for it? Yeah, such a good question, John. So I, I, find, I kind of um, had an opportunity come across my path. I was speaking at a conference in Philly five years ago, and they didn't have any music entertainment. The people coordinating the event, they ran out of budget. They just didn't coordinate a networking event. And a friend of mine was putting on the conference. It was the Heart of Agile Conference in Philly. And Alistair Coburn, one of the co-authors of the Agile Manifesto, uh, he was like, he came to my friend Nick and I, well, because we were sponsoring the event as the Agile Marketing Academy. I was speaking about Agile Marketing. Um, and he's like, guys, th there must be music. There must be dancing. There must be some kind of networking event. Or else it was like the first year they did that conference. He's like, otherwise, people are not going to remember it as a fun conference. Like, that's where the magic happens. That's where people network and talk and connect. And that's where they, you know, it's, it's, a, it's like make or break. Right. And so he was like, Hey, Nick, can you and Maria like DJ or something? Now, Nick had been, he had used to run a creative incubator in Chicago. So right. he said, if you ever run an event space uh, at some point, you're gonna have to learn how to DJ. Cause at some point the DJ is not going to turn up. You got to figure out how to use the equipment. Right. And so he's like, Hey, Maria, you want a DJ? And I was like, yes. Okay. I don't know. I've never done it before. I literally can't come off of seven days of back-to-back -back training across three cities. So one was in one of the suburbs of Chicago. It was like three days agile, like sales training. Um, then downtown in the city, a two-day class, flew out that night, arrived in D.C. the next morning, taught another two-day class, and then drove. I actually flew uh, one of my assistants up to meet me, 
And uh, we then drove from DC up to Philly for the conference. And so I literally was back to back events right before the event. But I was like, this sounds kind of fun. So the first thing I did, John, was I created the DJ flyer because I thought that was important. And so Nick's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, if we're going to DJ, we need a flyer, right? And I mean, the, the design quality on this flyer was so good. I mean, back to the marketing roots, right? Like people like... I DJed the first time at this event and I, it was kind of nerve wracking because there were a couple hundred people there and I'd never really done it before. But I, Nick taught me the basics. I knew enough. And then we, he got us a standing gig in the warehouse district of St. Pete here in Florida. And so then we were DJing an open mic night. And so after that, I was traveling and I happened to be in Singapore at a conference. The conference organizers were there and there's another event in Munich, Germany, two weeks later. And I had to stop and speak at a conference in Portugal in between. And I was like, you guys are going to get a kick out of this. And I showed them the DJ flyer. I was like, you're not going to believe this. And they saw it. And it was like the heart of Agile, a night outside IT, right? It's sponsored, brought to you by the Agile Marketing Academy. And so they're like, this is amazing. Do you want a DJ in Munich? I was like, well, don't play with my emotions like that, but yes. And so I didn't have any of the gear. Nick had it all here in Florida. I went out into the streets of Munich, Germany. I found a music store, bought all new DJ gear. And I was just like ready. Preparations meets opportunity. I get to the event and they're like, uh, Maria, we, we have been planning this event for a year. No, you can't just come DJ. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, they told me I might be able to. Uh, two nights later, uh, the IBM was sponsoring a conference. There's 750 people there. They were sponsoring a networking event on Tuesday and there was no music. And the PR girl comes running up and she's like, Maria, there's no music. And I'm like, so? She's like, you can DJ. If you can figure out how to work up the AV equipment, you can DJ. I had no idea how to hook up the AV equipment. The way we did it, I got on the mic. I was like, does anyone here know how to hook up the AV? Some guy comes over. We rigged it through a wireless mic is how we got it to go throughout the oh entire goodness. room. And I think that this just goes to show it's preparation meets opportunity. So I discovered I loved it. And I've now DJed all around the world from Fiji to New Zealand to Paris to cruise ships and, and launched an international DJ career. And you know what's funny, John? All I did is applied agile to do that. And so I have a whole presentation, how I launched an international DJ career using agile marketing. It's just the agile techniques work. You can literally apply it to anything. You can apply it to your life. You can apply it to launching a product to market. You can launch, it, uh, launch a DJ career apparently. And so it's one of those things where agile just works no matter where you apply it. It's effective. Well, I want to, at this point, you know, since you, since you just brought that up, where can people learn more about this? You know, how do people, if they want to learn more about Agile, more, you know, get in contact with you, you know, how do they do that? Yeah. So you can connect with me. If you go to findmaria.com, you can then find a link to all my social media uh, and all the information um, to get to through to my website, to find more information on Agile, Agile Marketing, Personal Agility. Okay. That's great. And I do, I do have to say um, your marketing expertise um, and I, and I come from marketing world myself, even surprises me. So in addition to that story about seeing you DJ, I remember being on top of your um, apartment building one day in, in your pool area, and all of a sudden, a T-Rex appears out of nowhere and starts bouncing around the, the area. And I remember being with my friends and like, what in the world is going on? And in the costume with you, so what, what, what was the idea behind that? Because this T-Rex started sprouting up all over the place. 
Yeah, you know, so yeah, the, the giant inflatable T-Rexes, I, I adore them. I think they're amazing. I think they're hysterical. Uh, you know, John, I, you know, if you've ever studied like NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, there's this concept of the pattern interrupt, right? So can you interrupt the pattern of what's happening in life so people stop and they reflect or they see things differently? And so I think really, I have a lot of shenanigans. If you connect, uh, look on my YouTube channel, Maria Mattarelli, there's a lot of shenanigans. There's like, I've done Harlem shakes in Istanbul, Panama. Um, I've done um, uh, the, the mannequin challenge in India. Like, I mean, there's just like so many shenanigans. Um, I really think like life is about living and my motto is to help people work better and live better. And so you can apply agile techniques to all of that, but I think it's also important to have fun while doing it. And there's a new concept that um, we're putting together um, a couple of people that I work with, uh, Mark Lombardi Nelson, Alistair Coburn, Joe Justice, and we're, we're calling it permission to play. So in our agile training classes, corporate training, we actually have to do a project simulation. So um, over the years, it gets boring doing the same class over and over and the same simulation over and over. So at one point we started writing like poems, agile poems and blog posts. And then we started writing agile rap songs. And so what's interesting is by the end of the first day, when we're doing the project simulation, just to see how the scrum, the flow works, it's like, okay, now we're gonna write uh, an agile song or poem uh, according to this topic, here's the parameters and the acceptance criteria. Oh, by the way, rap songs are highly encouraged. And what we started to discover is that when you give people permission to play and have fun, they show up in a whole different way. You want to talk about passion struck and tapping into passion? Well, people don't want to just go through the motions every day. They don't want to just be a cog in the wheel at a company. So the whole idea is how can you tap into that passion and let people know it's okay to play? It's okay to have fun. That's where innovation comes from. That's where true engagement comes from, right? And so my shenanigans are a little ridiculous if you follow me on, online and my social media. And it's because I think that it's okay to have fun. And if you can get in a giant T-Rex costume and run around, like people, that, that could make someone's day. They're going to remember that. I've actually done that at conferences before. It's a big hit. Uh, but, you know, it's about you don't need to take life too seriously. Like, what do you want? Get clarity on it. Take the steps to do it. Find a proven method or system. This is one framework. There, that doesn't work for you, find another, right? Like what resonates with you? So I think it's just important to have fun along the journey because if you just hit the destination, it's like all or nothing. Was this the thing that was going to give me full happiness or not? I was in a meeting with one of our global ambassadors for the Personal Agility Institute. We're launching training in Australia and I shot off my money gun at the end of the meeting yesterday. Like when we had our next call, she was just like, Maria, that like, I was telling my husband about that. That was so funny. Like, that was great. Like, and so I mean, like, why not end every meeting or interview with a money gun? I mean, that's not going to hurt anything. And so a friend of mine got me this money gun with my face on it. So it's like, why can't oh you live the way you want to live? You can. So I just want people to know it's okay to, to tap into that passion and give people permission to play. And you might be surprised at the outcome that it's greater than you ever thought it could be. Well, I think you just ended us on a phenomenal money gun note, and uh, you actually answered my last question without me even having to ask it. So I thank you so much for coming on the show. You were an incredible guest, and you know I, I love how you told your story, the passion you told it with, and uh, you have so much to be proud of in your amazing career, and I just can't imagine what it will be like in the next 5, 10, 15 years. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Great to be here. What an amazing show that just was with Maria and so many words of wisdom 
that she gave by telling her story, the struggles she went through, you know, starting her career as what she calls a J-O-B, realizing there was a better path for her, willing to risk it all to become passion struck to pursue it and take it to the next level. So many lessons to be learned from this interview and to be impacted in your own life. As I like to end every episode, make a choice, work every day and step into the sharp edges. You can do this. You have the ability to not only ignite, but live your passion. Thank you for watching and listening. And please stay tuned to our next episodes. Thank you so much for joining us. The purpose of our show is to make passion go viral by sharing the knowledge and insights you can use to unlock your hidden potential. To hear more, please subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you love this episode, we'd appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell three of your most driven and motivated friends about the show and post to your social accounts, that would help us grow our Passion Star community too. If you want more tools to unlock your potential, please make sure to also visit our website, passionstruck.com, to sign up to our email list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. Be sure to tune in on Tuesdays and Fridays for our next episodes. And remember, make a choice, work hard, and step into your sharp edges. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.